Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. What's up, everybody? It's the Power Rankings Podcast, a.k.a. The Power Rankings Show. I'm your host, Elliot Harrison. I'm pleased to be joined, as always, on this Wednesday with at Marcus underscore Mosher. Hello, sir. Our long national nightmare is almost over. Aaron Rodgers is almost out of Green Bay, and I cannot wait. I got to tell you, I got to give you a lot of respect, man. Uh, Besides keeping track of everything that's going on, including the Broncos signing a gaggle of offensive linemen. your sweatshirt collection is, it is robust. I, I think that's fair to say. Uh, you have more average colored sweatshirts than anyone I've ever seen. They're all like dull grays and they're guys colors. This one's a like dark gray blue or like a light gray and a blue color. Do you um, have anything that has color? Like, do you have like a lavender sweatshirt or a, a periwinkle no, I have a neon green one somewhere. Listen, I just wear sweatshirts all the time because it's negative 35 degrees out all the time. So what do you expect? Hey, you know, I'm at, we may have you on the weather in L.A. I don't know if you've seen the news. It has been pouring here. It poured all day yesterday. We've had flooding, um, not so much in my area, but it did pour all day. I put a um, so you guys that do watch the news, it is not a myth what's going on out here. I put a like a. Um, kind of a water i don't know what you would call it uh what do you i can't think of the stupid word not a bucket but something that you pour water out of and um outside to catch the rainwater i just saw how full it was i was like oh my gosh because i was going to use it to water my plants but uh i every time i see you with one of your sweatshirts on i just want to say marcus i can't wear your colors what a great rocky three quote Oh yeah, I was going to ask you when, what movie, what scene was oh. that from? And uh, you know, I can't wear yeah. your colors. Yeah, yeah. Uh, All right, can we do some free agency stuff? Absolutely. Um, I know we're going to have to talk Aaron Rodgers. I want to back end a little bit of that. Um, I should yeah. say Marcus prepared because <clears throat> he's not lazy in the off season like he is during the season. He actually does some rankings. He ranked his eight uh, favorite free agent moves. So far, uh, there's going to be more, but when you say now, it's, we're kind of in the trickle period, you know, yeah. uh, we're like done with the first two or three waves of free agency. We'll get one significant move a day now. Right, right. So we've got some of those. Uh, before we get into that, have you had any kind of like overarching themes so far that you've noticed this free agent period? I think last year, the thing that you and I both noticed is how high the wide receiver market shot up. Uh, that was easy to see when. Kirk signed his deal. Cooper signed for twenty million. Uh, Zay Jones got ten million. It was just bam, 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 bam. Um, anything you've noticed like that so far, team or position specific? I'm shocked at how little the NFL values linebackers. And we listen. We've known this is coming for a while. We've seen the devalue of the position for the last decade. But you look at the deals that have been handed out to some 
really, really good linebackers. And it's shocking. Like third and fourth receivers on teams are getting paid more than top end linebackers. And we can run through some of them. Levante David got a one year, $7 million deal. TJ Edwards, who we're going to talk about in a little bit. I thought he was one of the best linebackers in the league last year, and he got five and a half million a season. It it is shocking how little teams just value that position. Unless you happen to have played for the Buffalo Bills. <laughs> there's then there's then one linebacker. Then you're getting yeah. generational money. <laughs> yes. Yes. Uh, did that make Not, your list? No. Dude, we don't have to worry about a, a certain Bills linebacker going to Chicago. Oh, okay. Okay. What was that deal? Like for 70 something million dollars. That was yeah. uh 50 yeah, was million guaranteed. Jeez Louise. Okay. That aside, you've got eight here that we're going to dive into. Uh, any criteria? Is this about the team fit? Maybe the guys getting out of their old uh, place or the money, or is it a little all bit of, of all of it? A little okay. bit of all of it. Some of these guys got a, even overpaid a little bit, but I just like the fit with the team so much that I'm willing to overlook it. it, it remember in free agency, for the most part, you're overpaying, but it doesn't make it a bad deal. I think a perfect example last year is the Christian Kirk deal with Jacksonville. Everybody knows that Jacksonville overpaid, but did he make their receiving core a ton better? Did he make that offense a ton better? Mm-hmm. And the answer is yes. That was a move they absolutely needed to make. Yeah, and again, on the back end of this, uh, we're going to get into Little Rogers and another little news nugget uh, from today. But let's let's start on this list because I'm curious. I didn't. Marcus did not tell me who any of these guys are. I have no idea. I mean, I know who the guys are yeah. as players, but I don't know who. I see a Jets logo, though, at number eight, if mm. you're watching on YouTube. So uh, let's start there. Uh, Alan Lazard, wide receiver from the Packers, joining the Jets. Now, I think the money is high. I think it was four years, $44 million. Some of that's some fluff in there, but whether Aaron Rodgers goes to New York or not, I think Lazard makes a lot of sense when you pair him with Garrett Wilson because you need somebody that can block and hit some defensive ends and ship, you know, linebackers and pass cover or whatever you need. He's going to do all the dirty work in that offense, and they just didn't have that guy last year. I could go for a few million dollars of fluff, uh, frankly. <laughs> Sounds kind of nice. Yeah, man, I'm not in love with this one. I okay. You know, I get it. Aaron Rodgers wants his guys in New York. Well, that's the report that he wants his guys. He had something to say about the person who filed that report. We will get to that again at the back end of this. Um, This is, you know, I think it'd be really easy, and I hope I don't see this where the Jets say, you know, hey, we looked at it like Peyton Manning went to the Broncos. He brought Wes Welker with him. Uh, Alan Lazard ain't Wes Welker. No, he's not. He's not. And um, I'm a little worried about this only because I'm not worried. Okay. But I, I think the jets have built a nice little program there. I know they're seven and 10, but it's all been because of quarterback. Uh, I don't think it's the other 21 starters. And so I don't know that I love this. And you mentioned it's a little expensive, but Hey, who knows what the wide receiver market is anymore. So there you go. And and I just look at around some of these teams like, I think Tyler Boyd is being overpaid by the Bengals, but he does so much for that offense in terms of his toughness, blocking. He'll catch stuff across the middle of the field that, you know what, sometimes it's overpay- It's okay to overpay those guys a little bit to give your, your offense a little bit of an attitude. And there's a key difference there for me, too. 
Tyler Boyd has been with the Bengals since he came out in 2016. This mm-hmm. time I know I have the draft here, right? Because right. I talked to Tyler uh, before he got drafted. But uh, we're on a first-name basis, everyone. Pitt Panther. Yeah. PA guy. I, Tyler Boyd told me. <laughs> I like it. Sorry. Yeah. But Tyler Boyd's the one that made the huge catch in 2017 against Baltimore to win that game. That's the one that famously sent Buffalo to the playoffs, made Andy Dalton a local Mm -hmm. hero in Buffalo. Tyler Boyd knows the program. He's been with Zach Taylor since Zach Taylor got there. Uh, He knows the other receivers. He's worked with Joe Burrow. How do you put a price tag on that kind of continuity? That's why I'd way rather have Tyler Boyd for his deal in Cincinnati than than Lazard in New York for his deal. Fair. All right, let's get to the next one. Okay. It's the Denver Broncos. Uh, they signed Mike McGlinchey, right tackle for the 49ers, to this massive, massive deal. And I think the thought, at least on Twitter, right, is, hey, this is to help Russell Wilson pass protection so he doesn't get hit. I actually look at it the other way, Elliot. It's, I think the best way to protect Russ is just to run the crap out of the ball. And I know McGlinchey can move guys off the ball. And if the Broncos want to be like this 50-50 run-pass team, I think McGlinchey is a heck of a right tackle to help you get there. Yeah, good player. I don't know if I can call it a good deal. Uh, this was another pretty high money mm-hmm. deal, right? Um, like twenty one million a year. Yeah, man. Uh, you know, this was that's big money for a right tackle. That's a viable NFL starter. I mm-hmm. I hesitate to call him a Pro Bowl level player, Marcus. No, but below uh, that. Yeah, but let me let me say this. The idea that all the Saints ever did was throw the ball around the park is totally false. When they were at their zenith, uh, I think, is when they had Mark Ingram and Alvin Kamara. Uh, In 2017, they had a great team. 2018, uh, they lost in the NFC Championship, uh, albeit very, very controversially, uh, using their backs. If you remember the 2009 Saints that won the Super Bowl, I'm pretty sure, Marcus, they finished in the top five in rushing that year. Now, some of that would have been because they had a lead and they were running the clock down at the end of games, but they used Pierre Thomas, Reggie Bush. And the guy I was trying to remember, I'm pretty sure was Mike Bell earlier. Uh, oh, you're going to look, you're going to get, you're going to pull up some 2009 saints on pro football reference. You, do you want me to? I'm going to guess they went fourth in rushing. Let's see how they did. Let's see how close I am. Okay. So that season in rushing yards, they finished six pretty good. Third in rushing six. touchdowns though. Okay. Mike, who Bell. are their three? Mike Bell. I think he went to Arizona, if I'm not mistaken. Arizona or Arizona. Man, look at you. Arizona. Arizona. Yeah. Uh, luck. Pure luck. Oh, Either that's way, a great call. Good job. Point point being is that Sean Payton uh has run the ball over the years very effectively. I think he knows what he's doing. I think they realize that Russell Wilson is not the running around uh magician that he was in 2014. So I get your point. Let's go to number six. Uh, now, this is not a big name, but if you watch football a lot, you'll, you'll see this guy, Dalvin Tomlinson for the Cleveland Browns, uh, brought him over from Minnesota all year long, Elliot. We talked about how bad the interior defensive line was for the Cleveland Browns. They just had nothing at defensive tackle. The whole unit underperformed. The whole entire unit, defensive unit. Whole, yeah. Yes. Tomlinson's not a pass rusher, but what he can do is stop the run really, really well. And I think that's exactly what this defense was missing last year. So I love this. This is kind of what Dallas was trying to do when they brought Hankins in yep. uh, last year is to shore some of this up. Um, you know, teams still run the football when it matters, you know, and and trying to run the clock out is really huge in the NFL as much as teams are passing the ball now. That's why Especially we see that more com- Yeah, and that's why we see more comebacks than we ever saw before is a lot of times teams just can't close the deal. 
And because they haven't been running the ball consistently all game, and then all of a sudden they want to run the ball for two straight drives. Well, getting a guy like this prevents a team from being able to do this. And what it does is it puts the ball back in your quarterback's hands. And that's where Cleveland, in theory, thinks they have an advantage, their quarterback over yours. Unfortunately, we didn't see that last year. Yeah. So uh, I actually really like this signing. This is my favorite of your three so far. Yeah. Let's go to number that's five. Why. It's the highest of the three. Uh, next one, right. New York Giants. <laughs> Not a signing, but a big impact move. Uh, I, I like the risk of trading for Darren Waller. Uh, it's hard to get good pass catchers in free agency and in trades right now. Like, there's just not guys available in free agency. And if there are, you have to overpay them. And in a trade, you've got to overpay those guys and then pay them. So they went out and got Darren Waller, who, when he's right, is one of the biggest mismatch weapons in the NFL. I, I love the Giants taking a shot on him here. Now, Waller came in in the Gruden era. Was he one year before Gruden arrived? He was one year before Gruden arrived, That's playing wide receiver for the Raiders at the time. That's what I thought. So, okay. This one's tough for me. Um, how much guaranteed are we talking about here? One year, 11 million. That's it. But it's, but it's guaranteed. It's guaranteed, but that's it. Yeah. I'm good with that part of it for a guy that's had some injuries um, as of late. I just, how often have we seen a tight end switch uniforms and then just not really be that guy. Jimmy Graham, remember when he went to Seattle and people yep. thought, oh, this was going to be so great. You're playing with a different style quarterback than you played with the Raiders. Derek Carr was not going to go run around. Derek Carr was going to stay in that pocket and try to deliver you the football. I don't think Daniel Jones is as good as thrower as Derek Carr is, even mm -hmm. though I think Daniel Jones had a better year than Derek Carr did last year. A lot of that has to do with Daniel Jones' playmaking ability outside of the pocket running using his legs. Um, that said, Waller's still a pretty young player, and he's been really special. And on one-year, $11 million deal, man, I mean, yeah. the Jags signed Evan Ingram for $10 million, and Waller's been a way better player well, than Ingram. It, and that's a good example of it working out, though, right? Like, Evan Ingram yeah. just did not work out with the Giants. He goes to Jacksonville, has the best year of his career. So we yes. have seen it work out before. And again, it costs you pick 100, which is, listen, I love the draft, but that's nothing. You're giving away a pick. And then 11 million, like I, I'm willing to take a chance there. And if it doesn't work out, it doesn't work out. It's no big deal. You know what else Evan Ingram's really good at is dragging NFC East defensive backs 10 yards out of bounds to put away a game. I don't know what game I'm speaking of. Specific. Oh, look, who's number four on your list? I blocked that game out of my memory. Uh, the Dallas Cowboys, <laughs> another trade. Now, Stephon Gilmore uh, for the Colts. I, I know some people are out there talking about Gilmore really declining and regressing. I, I didn't see that at all last year. I, I still saw a player who was pretty doggone effective. If you watch that Colts-Broncos game, he absolutely stole that game for the Colts. And I think going into his age 33 season, being on a team with a good pass rush and being the number two corner, I think Gilmore can still offer a lot for Dallas. What are they paying him, $9 million? Yeah, I think it, I think if he hits all of his incentives, it's like ten point one million. Yeah, you got Diggs on the other side. The Cowboys brought Donovan Wilson back. Curse is still there. Who Marcus and I think is is kind of the Cowboys' de facto locker room leader, or certainly one of them. Mm -hmm. Could be a pretty good secondary. Should mention while we're on the Cowboys, though, Noah Brown, kind of Cowboys fans' whipping boy for that very Jacksonville game we just referred to, mm -hmm. um, cryptically. Uh, 
signed with Houston. I like that signing. I, I like Houston getting a guy like that. Uh, just I wanted to give Noah Brown some love. He doesn't get enough yeah, love. Let's go to number three. Chicago Bears. Not the Bills linebacker, but I love the TJ Edwards signing for them. I Edwards was awesome all playoff long for the Eagles. I, I, I still think he's kind of in the prime of his career. And to get him at two years, basically $11 million, I think is an absolute steal for Chicago. Yeah, I like it too. I mean, <clears throat> I don't know if I like it as much as the Bills linebacker that shall remain nameless because we wanted him to stay in Buffalo. <laughs> yes. Marcus, because he's a lifelong fan, me, just because I liked him on that team. But uh, yeah, I like that. <laughs> nice beanie. I like this one, man. Um, I'm with you. I got to tell you, what did you say was five and a half million for TJ Edwards? I mean, um, I tell you what, off off the ball linebacker has become the new running backs don't matter, hasn't it? Heck yeah. Heck yeah. But I think these linebackers, if you get the right ones, can really impact a game. Look no further than what Fred Warner did against the Cowboys in the division round. Like that was one of the best linebacker games you'll ever see. And we should mention Greenlaw. Greenlaw is a heck of a player for them. Another off the ball linebacker. We saw uh, Miami. Get David yep. Long from Tennessee, another off-the-ball yep. backer. Um, I'm glad, by the way, Tampa Bay re-signed Levante David. I hope he plays his whole career there. He's a borderline Hall of Fame player. Probably Hall of Very Good, but a uh, great, great player. I like the signing. Uh, am I going to like Atlanta's as much? Because you've got him at number two. Yeah, so the Falcons had a ton of cap space this offseason. And when you're a young, rebuilding team, one of the things that I – don't like to see is when you piece your money out just to have average starters everywhere Mm -hmm. try to fill Mm -hmm. your roster what i'd rather you do is overpay a superstar just to improve the talent level at one spot and that's what the falcons did by getting uh jesse bates who was with the bengals i think bates is one of the best safeties in the league did they overpay him probably but now they've got a couple you know, actual stars in their secondary with AJ Terrell and Jesse Bates, and they're actually building something on defense. So I love this signing by Atlanta. You know, I'll just say that if you're going to get a veteran like that, and you're going to overpay and it's a young team where you're, you're really trying to make your nucleus, the guys you draft. For example, if Desmond Ritter is really going to be the guy this year, you're talking about a second year player. That was a third round draft pick. Mm -hmm. And also Marcus, a lot of the guys that are coming out now are 21 years old. Um, they're, they're not 22 or three, like they were back in the old school, you know, and I, not even that old school, you had a lot of guys that had red shirted. They'd come to the draft at 23. When you have a bunch of players that are 21 or 22 in their second year, you kind of want to sign a guy that's going to bring some veteran leadership too. Mm-hmm. And so I hope that Bates, besides just being a good player is at that stage of the career where he's ready to take on that kind of role, because, you know. We talk a lot, like with Carolina staying in Atlanta's division, about who's your face of the franchise. But we also should talk more about who's the leader, who's the guy that that brings everybody together, who's the guy that calls a players only meeting when it needs to happen, that who's the guy that goes to a young player and says, "Hey, can we keep this in house? Like, don't don't be telling the media you're not happy with the quarterback or whatever." Yeah. If Bates can be that kind of guy, and that's hard to do when it's your first year in a new city and a new team. But I think when it's a team like Atlanta that's going to be trying to build through the draft, uh, I I hope this works out in that manner. All right, great. I just think, man, now you at least have some building blocks on defense. And Bates has been in a million big games. So 
I like it. I, this this feels like the start of a rebuild for Atlanta, the way they should have been doing it for a while. So I like it. You, you can't ever have too many quality defensive backs. No, absolutely <laughs> not, not today's game. So, okay, what's number one? All right, number one, I think you know where we're going here. Uh, one of the, maybe the most surprising moves of the offseason, it's the 49ers signing defensive tackle J. Ron Hargrave. Yeah, I mean, I was, this was a stunner. I mean, I told Marcus on the phone a couple of days ago, I said, you know, 21 on 21, I don't think there's any team that can stack up with the 49ers except for Philadelphia. Except the problem is maybe Philadelphia, if, if he's not Philadelphia's one of their top five players, certainly top seven. Sure. I don't know how many players on the Eagles you would say are better than Hargrave. Um, this is addition not only addition, but it's also addition by subtraction, isn't it? Right, yeah. If you're the 49ers and you're looking at the landscape of the NFC, especially the quality of quarterbacks in the NFC, which is to say there's not much, who's mm-hmm. the team that you're worried about the most? It's the Eagles. Yeah, it's the Eagles. And I'm not just saying that because Philadelphia beat them in the championship game. These are just the two best rosters. These are the two teams in the NFC that can beat anyone the AFC has to offer. In my mind, there's not another NFC team on the same tier as the 49ers and Eagles right now. And this makes the Eagles worse. Um, And it gives Bosa, uh, it takes so much pressure off of him. And Eric Armstead. Like that's, I mean, now you have three legitimate studs up front and you can kind of cycle the fourth, fifth and sixth guy in there, but you have a penetrating defensive tackle a defensive player of the year at edge, and then a guy who can move all around at Armstead. (laughs) I feel bad for offensive lines in the NFC because you've got to deal with those guys. And oh, by the way, the linebackers can cover every single blade of grass. So what a defense. Yeah, I I think they're going to hit secondary uh, in the draft would be my guess. I know they don't have a lot of firepower um, high, but they do have firepower because they got the compensatory pick. So from third round down, San Francisco is in okay shape, I, I believe. Um, mm-hmm. You're you're the draft guru, but uh, I would say that, and I think they're going to have to retool their offensive line uh, through the draft. I, that's where I see them going. Um, I wouldn't hate it if they drafted another tight end, by the way, yeah. because Kittle gets hurt a lot, and I saw you saw what happened when they tried to use their second tight end mm-hmm. to uh, block Reddick in the championship mm-hmm. game. That really didn't turn out nope. very well. In fact, I think that was a play that got their quarterback hurt. Yep. Um, so uh, we're going to get into draft analysis. We have plenty of time over the next few yep. weeks, but I love yep. this move. I love Can it. I give you another quick hitter that literally just happened as you were talking? Yes. I thought you were going to give me Hargrave's PFF grade. I just no. saw it coming. Okay. No, it's very good, though. Uh, Juju Smith-Schuster to the New England Patriots. So Kansas City didn't bring him back. Um, ah, boy, you're you're putting a lot of pressure on your quarterback, aren't you? If you're Kansas City, I, I know you're gonna say, "Hey, well, it's Patrick Mahomes." Look, you still need guys to play with. What's that Chiefs receiving core looking like to you right now? Well, there's Kadarius Tony. Yeah, Sky. Yeah, he did fine. Yeah, Hardman uh, was hurt last year. Yeah, and he's leaving. From free agency, uh, and you've got Marcus Valdez Scantling. It's not strong enough. I, I mean, unless it unless feels like a think, trade's common, right? 
Yeah, unless Tony, unless you really believe in him. Now, Tony did have that great punt return in the Super Bowl. I'll give him that. But, um, ugh. But you know, look if if you if you feel like Schuster really didn't do that much for you in terms of he didn't really create a lot of big plays for them. He was more of a guy that helped them move the sticks, right? What do you have about nine hundred yards, I believe, last year? High eights, nine hundred. New England could actually use a guy like him. And for a quarterback that, like in Mac Jones, for example, that we think is an accurate passer, he's up and down, it's good to have a reliable target that knows what he's doing out there. And I think you can say that about Juju. But if you're looking for big plays down the field, uh, that's not what he is. I'm also curious to see how he's going to fit in with New England's culture. Right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, let's (laughs) going from Pittsburgh, which is a very player-friendly situation to Kansas city, which is very player-friendly to New England is it's, it's interesting. I don't know how TikTok man is going to work out. Isn't that what, uh, AJ Brown called him. Yeah. Something like that. TikTok, TikTok TikTok boy, TikTok boy. Yeah. Oh boy. Oh boy. Okay. Where did Hargrave rank on PFF? Now I'm curious. I'm going to say fifth. Your fifth, somewhere in the fifth to seventh range among defensive tackles. Look, I try to pl- plug PFF where I can. Marcus is. Uh, I mean, are you making me actually work here. Is this yeah, is good? it? It's fine. Marcus is an esteemed right, right. writer for. I, I, he was a, he was eleventh among all interior defensive guys last year. <gasps> I was a little. I'm a little off. But, but if you remove all the guys that played under 500 snaps, it goes up to six. Ah. Yeah, you got to remove. That's like pass attempts. If you only have 100 pass attempts, should you win the passing title? No. 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 Come on, PFF. Well, I mean, there are guys that rotated. I think Brandon Graham at Edge played like 400 snaps and yeah. still made the Pro Bowl. Listen, since uh, you're a big valued member over there at PFF now, um, will you please talk to management and just tell them, look, guys with under 500 snaps shouldn't qualify. Thank I'm you. Sure. Yep. Please, please, and thank you. Okay, so uh, let's go back down the list, and then uh, we're going to hit a couple of topics. But right. let's start back at uh, eight. We start with the Jets. Yeah, Alan Lazard. I just really like that fit as the do everything number two receiver can play on the outside, can play in the slot. I like that one, regardless of who's at quarterback. Seven, Mike McGlinchey, an offensive tackle for the Broncos, mm-hmm. solidifies the right tackle spot, which has been a problem for years for the Broncos. Maybe overpaid a little bit, but I think he's going to help out quite a bit. Number six, the Cleveland Browns. They signed defensive tackle Dalvin Tomlinson, still one of the best run defenders in the league. I expect him to help out right away. Number five, Darren Waller to the Giants. Instantly their best pass catcher. He is somebody they can move around a little bit. The fit's curious, but it's a gamble worth taking. Number four, the Dallas Cowboys trading for Stephon Gilmore. He's an all-pro caliber cornerback that's getting up there in age, but only cost a fifth-round pick. Why not if you're Cowboys, if the Cowboys and you're going for it? At number three, the Chicago Bears, TJ Edwards. I thought he was one of the top five or six linebackers in the league last year. You got him for five and a half million. That's a no-brainer. Number two, the Atlanta Falcons. I think they got one of the best players on the market in Jesse Bates. Maybe overpaid a little bit, but he instantly, instantly improves that secondary. And then at number one, your guy, J. Ron Hargrave, to the San Francisco 49ers. Make some again one of the strongest defensive lines in all the NFL. I think I like six, five, four, and one here. I really like Cleveland getting defensive tackle. I like Waller on the cheap. I really like the Cowboys getting Gilmore. I love Hargrave uh, for the 49ers. That's a Super Bowl move. I think 
five, I would have after all those TJ Edwards on the cheap for Chicago, then uh, Jesse Bates to Atlanta. The McGlinchey deal was pretty expensive to me mm-hmm. uh, for right tackle for the Broncos, but I, I think I know what Sean Payton's doing. And then my least favorite was the one you had at number eight, which is Sorry. why they were, why it was number eight. Uh, let's talk about a couple more moves and some Aaron Rodgers stuff that came out today. Ezekiel Elliott released by the Cowboys. Your thoughts. Well, it's not official yet. The news is it's expected to be released today or tomorrow. Um, but you kind of knew this was coming, right? When they yes, franchise yes. tagged Tony Pollard, something had to happen here. Then the Cowboys just decided to move on. I'll be curious to see what Zeke's market looks like in free agency. I got to tell you, man, um, I don't love this. Now, I've been a little bit of a Zeke defender. I can acknowledge for sure that over the last six or seven, maybe eight games last year, he really slowed down. But I thought the first eight games of last year, he played outstanding. I think he's still pretty good in pass protection. I think he's still a really good short yardage back. He manages to squirt through and find two yards when you really need it. Um, and uh, and that that is something that a lot of fans don't value. And it's really important sometimes. The other thing is, who's the igniter on the Cowboys? I mean, who when when Zeke runs for 12 yards and gets up and does his dumb little eating porridge thing, I don't know why I said porridge. Uh, it just doesn't have the same feel when Dalton Schultz catches a 12-yard pass. It's not the same. Who's going to be that guy for the Cowboys? Um, I don't think Tony Pollard's a 20-carry back. Is it Malik Davis to you, Marcus? I don't know. But a landing spot that I have for Ezekiel Elliott or the Cincinnati Bengals, I think that'd be a great spot for him. Um, but I, I don't, I don't love this. I was trying to figure out what the difference between porridge and oatmeal is. Like apparently oatmeal is a type of porridge. So you know what the difference between grits and all of this is? What's that? Grits. You don't know what grits are? Yeah. I've had grits before. Okay. What about, do you know the difference between oatmeal and malto meal? No, I don't. Malto meal is, I think, a really a poor man's oatmeal. It's very smooth and creepy looking, too. My mom likes malto meal, and I I just, you know, whenever I'm home, I'm like, Mom, I don't want malto meal. Um, sorry to the malto meal folks. It's a great product. <laughs> uh, did I just ruin another sponsorship? Uh, I think I did. Can I ask you about uh, David Montgomery going to the- Yeah, I hate it. To the Lions instead of Jamal Williams? You knew I was going to hate this. That's why I didn't even I tell you on the phone I hate it. Okay, David Montgomery is a good back. I've got no problems with David Montgomery. He's pretty young. He's had uh, some injury problems, but I don't think he's got too many carries, uh, you know, too much tread on the tires. But Jamal Williams, again, was the igniter on the Lions. He's got a nose for the end zone. You know, some guys inside the five are just better than others. They find the cracks. They find the crevices. They just have more want to. And he seemed to be really well liked by his teammates. If this sounds uh, very familiar to what I was saying about Zeke, it is. Who's the guy on the Lions that gets that team fired up? And, you know, you need, I always say this to you. I apologize for saying it again. These guys aren't numbers on a page. Mm-hmm. You need players in the locker room that love to play. You need players in the locker room that show leadership, like we were talking about with Jesse Bates. Sell me on Jamal Williams departing and David Montgomery being there, other than that David Montgomery is younger in age. I think David Montgomery is a little bit more creative and a little bit better after contact, but I don't know if there was enough of a difference, especially when you consider the contracts to ditch Jamal Williams for David Montgomery. He was just the heart and soul of that team. I I mean, he was awesome at the end of the season, especially in that Packers game, but I don't love this. 
Yeah. Uh, you know, maybe the Lions know something we don't. Maybe they think they need to get out a year early here because Jamal Williams is ending, you know, entering the, you know, the end of the line, so to speak. I do think Montgomery's a good player. I really liked Montgomery with the Bears. Um, I, 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 I'm sitting here thinking of a game they played on Sunday night against the Rams where he just took it to him. Heck yeah. Um, he is a physical runner. He's, I, I think you mentioned creative, kind of a crafty guy too. He's not just a pound into them kind of guy. He can do mm-hmm. a little bit of everything. He can run around you. He's got some wiggle, as Bill Parcells used to say, and he can run through you. Uh, of course, they still have DeAndre Swift. Um, I just don't love it. Um, all right, let me ask you about Aaron Rodgers, because I know you want some time to talk about Aaron Rodgers. I'm personally done talking about Aaron Rodgers. I don't, hope we never have to do it again, but apparently we have to. What are your thoughts? Why don't you read the quote today that really fired me up? Fired me up. Uh, I lost. I don't know where it went, but the 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 premise of it basically was: I'm the best player in Packers history, or at least in the conversation. I wish the Packers would have treated me like it. Okay, man. You know I dog Dion for this kind of stuff. Usually, the first thing a guy says, the first thing a guy says is what they really think. And what the first part of that quote is, I'm the best player in Packers history. Uh, you know, bro, you got you got a lot of nerve saying that. Number one, at the quarterback spot, um, you won a Super Bowl. Hey, kudos to you. Um, just so you know, Brett Favre won a Super Bowl, and Brett Favre went to another one right after that. And Brett Favre won three straight MVPs. And Brett Favre, who I don't even like that much, never missed a start. How many starts has Aaron Rodgers missed for the Packers? Quite a few. Quite a few. Okay. Now, if you're a super team guy and you're not super hard on young players and stuff like that, then when you're, you know, on the bench, you could be a real asset to your team. I, I don't, you know, I don't know who to believe on this. If you listen to David Bakhtiari, that's all bunk and he's a great teammate. Of course, he's also good friends with Aaron Rodgers. Mm-hmm. If you listen to Greg Jennings, who used to play with him, uh, and I've met Greg. I didn't find Greg to be this terribly controversial person. Um, that's not the case. Who knows? Maybe Greg Jennings had an axe to grind. My point is, is that saying you're the best team in a, in a team's history, that's won multiple championships. Let me just say this, man. Packers had a wide receiver named Don Hudson who played in the 30s and 40s. Okay, you don't care about 30s or 40s football. That's fine. But Don Hudson literally was so far above and beyond every other wide receiver in the league Mm -hmm. that when the NFL did its all 50 team in 1969, Hudson was a no-brainer. And there were a lot of people that thought Don Hudson was the best skill player in the history of the league. Not the history of the Packers, the history of the league, dude. Okay, Forrest Gregg, uh, Vince Lombardi says the best guy to ever played for him. Forrest Gregg was not only Hall of Fame first ballot, made the all-75th anniversary team in 1994, NFL, not Green Bay, Mm -hmm. NFL, and the NFL's all-100 team. And Deacon Jones basically said the dude was unbelievable, okay? Deacon Jones, best pass rusher maybe in the history of the league, okay? I'm I'm sorry, am I just going off here? No, please do. All right, Bart Starr. Do you know what Bart Starr – do you want to take a guess what Bart Starr's postseason record was, Marcus? Come on, a little NFL trivia, just for fun. Uh, I'll say nine and one. Did you look this up? You're such a jerk. How, how would I look it up that fast? You're, you're a jerk. How nine would I look and it one. Up? Nine and one. 
Yeah, all right. I thought that I'd do a little bit of you know history okay. research. All right. Let me ask you another history question here. Sure. If I asked you what's a good passer rating now, like like it doesn't have to be top of the league, but if you're in the top eight in the NFL, what's your passer rating? Uh, anything over 100. Anything over 100. Okay, cool. And if you're up around 105 or something, you may lead the league. You know, you're going to be close, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. What do you think was a good passer rating in the 1960s? Like what would have put you in the top eight? Anything over 85? Probably anything over 75, to be perfectly fair. And if you were in the high 80s, you would lead the NFL. Uh, Bart Starr's postseason stats, bro. Here we go. Uh, nine and one, a 15 to three touchdown to interception ratio. That's in an era when your TDs and INTs were about the same. Mm-hmm. 104.8 passer rating. And don't That's forget. Yeah, again, this is yeah. not me looking up. I just, I, I've done this research before. He led the NFL in passer rating four different years during his career with Green Bay. Yeah, nine and one, nine and one. Yeah. And here's what, here's what really, and you're right, he led the league in 64, he led the league in 66, 68, and 69. 66, he had 105 passer rating yep. with nine yards of well, per the, attempt. And there was another season I, in there, I believe, that was like in the 103, 104 range. Yeah, 104.3 and 68. Yeah. Uh, his uh, yards per attempt that year was 9.5. Yeah. Um, no, it's not to say that Bart Starr is a better quarterback than Aaron Rodgers. No. I don't believe it. But it's not cut, It's not so clear cut, right? What it, what it speaks to is somebody who's very in love with his own stats, who knows what how people compare stats, and he knows what Bart Starr's stats are. And like, gosh... I threw for more yards in one year than Bart Starr threw four and two and a half. Um, it's just not the same. So I have a real, I have a real problem with it. I do. Can I Go ask ahead. you? Yeah. Cause it does feel like he's going to get traded to the jets. I, I would assume this weekend, I think by this weekend it'll be done. He said that he was 90% sure that he was going to retire when he went into the darkness retreat. And then when he got out, the Packers basically said that they were moving on from him regardless and that's what made him believe, hey, I want out, and I want to show them that I can still play at a high level. Do you think the Jets will be getting a ticked-off Aaron Rodgers that's set out to prove that he's still the best quarterback in the league? Or do you think we've just kind of gotten past that part of his career and he's just going to be the 11th best quarterback in the league? No, I think that what the Jets did is back in like January – they brought in a couple consultants, um, the Bobs, one of them was uh, John C. McGinley. And I think the Bobs sat down with the Jets front office and said, we think, we think. you haven't challenged him enough, you know? <laughs> uh, and you know what they promised, Aaron? What if, and I'm just spitballing here, we put a team of three or four guys underneath you. And that's where this whole deal came about getting Lazard, <laughs> Randall Cobb. Mercedes Lewis, Mercedes Nelson. Lewis. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. I uh, I don't Kuhn? see him. I don't see him being a top five quarterback. I think you said more like top 11. It's probably to me. Yeah. Maybe if he stays healthy, he'll be the eighth best quarterback in the league. I believe Aaron Rodgers turns 40 uh, this year. He's 39. Um, I don't know that the arm strength is there. Now, I'm not worried about him throwing in New York. This isn't a guy that's coming from the Falcons all of a sudden 
you know, in the dome playing. Uh, this is a guy that played in Green Bay. So I'm not worried about that with him. Um, but these are all new receivers. This is also a totally different media mm-hmm. than the one in Wisconsin. And if things don't go well, if they go two and four out of the gate, um, you know, and you're on the Pat McAfee show every week. I, I don't know. I, I just think back when Randall Cobb signed with the Cowboys back in 2019, and he said he was overwhelmed by the media coverage in Dallas compared to Green Bay. And he said it was uh, basically it was shocking and it was it was just so new to him. Imagine Aaron Rodgers going to New York and dealing with that media coverage where he is the, you know, he's the main guy every single day. It's going to be fascinating to watch it. I can't wait to ignore it all during the season. Yeah. Let me, let me say this. I, I think Aaron Rodgers is a phenomenal player. Uh, I just don't like comments like that, you know, and he doesn't care what I think. That's fine. You know, um, in fact, we have kind of the same hairdo at the moment. So I, you know, I really shouldn't be saying anything, but um you know, I I just I just think there comes a time when you need to be a little bit more humble, and uh, you want to go in with an open mind. I, I actually am not one of these people that hates on him for the darkness retreat. I I actually thought that was kind of a good idea, but I will tell you, Marcus, if you all of a sudden do one of these sound baths or go sit around at Esalen in California and listen to the drum beats and start playing the the big drums. Uh, you start getting into your head and uh, you might go on like a weird trip, bro. And you might come out of it saying, you know, I want to do locked on Jags. I'm aiming for that job. It's very good show. Andrew Wiggins does a fantastic job over there. So (laughs) would you, if you had just for our listeners benefit and for all the good people at Brinks, if you were going to recommend a Florida NFL podcast, (laughs) would you go with locked on Jags or only (laughs) fans? Oh, only fins, man. That's that's the one to do right there. It's an because awesome, I, awesome show. I've heard a lot of people can really lose uh lose track of themselves on only fins, you know? Yeah. Just man, you get into 45 minutes of watching that show and you just don't even know what you're doing next and your clothes are all off. I get it. <laughs> hey, only, all, only fins has got to be having a field day though with all the dolphins. Moves. Oh my gosh, I mean, we yeah. should say the dolphins are we haven't really talked about it much. They're positioning themselves for a championship run. I, I'm I'm super serious. I like yeah. them re-signing Mostert, by the way, for a two-year deal. I agree. That and I love the David Long signing, the Jalen yes. Ramsey trade for an office. Hot and heavy with some of these defensive guys. Okay, now we really need to go. You don't <laughs> even get a final thought. He is the host of the uh the Cowboys Locked On podcast, the most listened to Cowboys podcast. It's it's right up there with the Jags, which they do a great job for a Locked On Jags. Also, also, writes for PFF, if I didn't mention that five times already. And he covers the Raiders for USA Today. He's at Marcus underscore Mosher on Twitter. I'm at Harrison NFL on Twitter. We appreciate you guys. And uh, maybe we'll do a podcast on Friday and talk about some movies and more free agent trickle news. We'll see. Talk to you all later. Take care. <laughs>